Well, my name is Michael Hinnon, as I said, and I'm one of the ministers here at Berlin Christian Church. And our mission here is to make more and better followers of Jesus Christ. And some of you may know this, some of you may not, but I'm a big baseball guy. I love baseball. I grew up playing baseball. I watch too much baseball. And lately, baseball has been on my mind, probably because our middle school baseball season starts tomorrow. And I'm super excited about that. But I, if, if you watch baseball or you've watched ESPN, you've probably heard the voice of a guy named Tim Kirkjian. There's a picture of him, Tim Kirkjian. He is this baseball sports writer who's only five foot five, and he kind of has this funny, squeaky kind of voice when he talks. Like players like to impersonate him uh, and his voice. But Tim Kirkjian, he has been a baseball sports writer for decades. We're talking like 50 years or so. And I found out something crazy about Tim Kirkjian this week. It's that from 1989 to 2010, so we're talking over 20 years, Tim Kirkton would cut out every single box score from every single baseball game every single day for 20 years. So a box score has all the different stats, and as a baseball writer, he knew that he needed to have all these stats for his career. And so I did the math for how many box scores that Tim Kirkton probably cut out over that 20-year span. A baseball season is 162 games. I think it's too long, but it's whatever. They don't ask me what I think. So the 162 games with 30 teams playing, and so that equals 2,430 games every single year. 2,430 games every single year. He cut out every single box score for a year. That's just one year. And so if you multiply that by 20, I'm not the best at math, but it turns out to be over 48,600 box scores that he cut out and never missed a single game. In fact, he he tells a story of one night he was in bed with his wife. It's 11 o'clock at night. He's about to fall asleep when, oh my goodness, I forgot to cut out the box scores from the newspaper. So he hops out of bed. He throws on all of his clothes. He spends the next 15 minutes or so cutting out these box scores, hops back in bed about 1130. And he thinks to himself, why in the world would my wife marry someone crazy like me? I've had that thought before. But I think Tim Kirchin, what he knew was that if he prioritized cutting out these little box scores, If he did this every single day, then it would help him to become the best baseball sports writer he could be. And what's so cool about Tim Kirkjian is that this last week, he was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame as a sports writer. And I think part of the reason he became a Hall of Fame sports writer is because he made sure he prioritized those little box scores every single day day. And eventually it led him to the legacy of a Hall of Fame baseball sports writer. Today we are beginning a brand new series called A Journey of Rhythm. And over the next four or five weeks, we're going to talk about some of the different spiritual practices, these holy habits that we can put in place to make sure that we live a life of rhythm, both with God and with other people. And what happens so often when we think about our, our spiritual disciplines or holy habits, we can, we can use them and think that those holy habits actually save us. 
And they can never, they never could. Only Jesus can save us. And so before we get to any of those holy habits and putting these rhythms in place, what I want to do is make sure that we have our priorities straight. My goal for this sermon is for you and me to realize that our priorities today determine our legacy tomorrow. Our priorities today determine our legacy tomorrow. And for Tim Kirkjian, that legacy was the Hall of Fame, but we're not trying to get into the Hall of Fame. We are trying to get into the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11, where we leave a legacy of faith for the people who are all around us. And so to do that today, I'm just going to ask us three questions, three questions that we need to ask ourselves to help us look at what we truly prioritize in our lives. And so the first question I want us to ask is this, what do I seek first? What do I seek first? What do I prioritize most in my life? Because when it comes to our lives, we all have these different buckets of the things that we do or the priorities that we have. So we have this bucket, it's our relationship with God. And then we have this other bucket beside it, it's our relationship with our family, our spouse, our kids, and then this, our relationship with work or school for those of you who aren't working yet, and then we have our relationship with church, and then how we spend our time when we have free time, and then our physical health. So we have all these different buckets, you can add to them, you can take some of the buckets away, but when we think about these buckets, which bucket do you fill first? Which bucket do you make sure that you spend time on and prioritize first. Because if we look to Scripture, both the Old Testament and the New Testament compels us to make sure that more than anything else and more than anyone else, that we prioritize our relationship with God first. First, I want to take you to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4, this is just before the Israelites are about to go into the promised land. Moses is giving his final speech to these Israelites who have wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They're about to get into the wilderness, and here's what he tells them in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29. He says, But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart, and with all your soul. I love these verses because they come in the context where God knows that his people, when they get to the promised land, they are going to rebel against him. They are going to turn their backs on him. And even in their rebellion, God is saying to them, the only thing he needs them to do, seek him, to turn back to him. I think that might speak to some of you today because as we're thinking about priorities, you might just be saying to yourself, yeah, that sounds good, Michael, but I know for a fact that God is not my number one priority. I've gone another direction. I have fallen too badly. I have sinned too far. There's no way that God could ever want me. And if that's you today, I want you to hear the words of Deuteronomy chapter four. All God ever needs from us no matter how far we've gone away from him, is to turn back to him, is to begin to seek him first again. Jesus says something similar to us in Matthew chapter 6. If you want to open your Bibles up to Matthew 6, we're going to be in Matthew uh, quite a bit this morning. 
But in Matthew chapter 6, this is the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is teaching his disciples that they don't need to worry about anything. He says, hey, you don't need to worry about the kinds of clothes that you're wearing. You don't need to worry what kind of car you have or how big your house is or or what kind of job you have. You don't need to worry about all these things that get you so wound up because you have a good, good father who loves you and who's going to provide for your needs. And he says these words in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 and 34. He says, seek first, seek first. First, his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so Jesus challenges you and me, his followers, to make sure that we prioritize him first. More than anything else, more than anyone else, Jesus calls us to prioritize him. And thankfully for us, he has modeled what this kind of life looks like. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus has just begun his ministry. And as he's doing his ministry, he works late into the night, healing people who have diseases, healing people who have demons. And so if I was Jesus at that point, I was staying up late doing some ministry things. I'd say, yo, disciples, do not come and wake me up. Tomorrow, I'm sleeping in. I don't want to see another person who has a disease. I want to get out of here for a while. But here's what Jesus does in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It says, Very early in the morning, so the dude didn't sleep in, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. What I want us to see here is that Jesus made sure that he prioritized his relationship with the Father. Before his to-do list got too long, before he had all these preaching opportunities come up, before he had a list of people that he needed to heal, Jesus made sure that the thing that he did first was prioritize his relationship with his heavenly Father. And we should too. I'm not a legalist, and I don't think that every single one of us should wake up early in the morning and do our devotional time, but it's not a bad model. What I would say is just make sure that you have time on your schedule to prioritize him because Jesus has to be our number one priority. I wasn't going to share this story, but a buddy of mine told me to, and he's smarter than me, so I I listened to his advice. When I was a sophomore in college, uh, I transferred from Independence Community College to Ozark Christian College because I felt like I'd grown stagnant in my faith. And so there at at Ozark, I was going to get two degrees, one in exercise science, one in Bible, and I was going to become a physical therapist. I was super excited about this. I had wanted to be a physical therapist since ninth grade. It was going to be awesome. But as I started taking some Bible classes, especially the book of Acts with Michael DeFazio, I kind of felt this tugging, this pulling, like, like maybe God was calling me to full-time ministry. I was like, that's weird. I don't really want to do that. I don't like standing in front of people. I definitely don't want to preach. And so, ironically, and so uh, I was praying about it, wrestling with God in prayer. I didn't feel led one way or the other. And so I, I met with one of my mentors and I said, hey, Michael, like, I really am not sure what I'm supposed to do. And he looked me in the eyes and he said, well, can you glorify God doing either one? I was like, well, yeah. He's like, 
okay, well then God's okay with either decision. I'm like, you're not helping me. I mean, that's helpful, but you're not helping me. Just tell me what to do. And so finally, a couple weeks after that, I went back home to Kansas about three hours away and I had two of my buddies uh, ha- at a campfire with me. One was a Christian, one wasn't a Christian and they were talking around the campfire and I couldn't tell you what they were talking about because I really didn't care because I was being selfish at the time. And I was like, guys, guys, I don't care about that stuff. What I need to know is whether or not I should go into full-time ministry or not, or if I should stick with physical therapy. And both of them said, oh, just, just do the physical therapy thing and do the God thing as a plan B. And it was in that moment, I've never heard God speak more audibly than in that moment. He just said, I'm not a plan B. I'm not a plan B. So I was like, well, that, I guess that solves it. So I went back, changed my degree, and I ended up going into ministry. The point that I want us to catch here is not that God is calling all of us into ministry. The point here is that God is not a plan B. He wants you to prioritize him more than anything else. So what's that look like for you? Maybe for some of you, that, that is a calling into full-time ministry. You don't know what that looks like, but maybe that's what it is. Or maybe for you, you, you just have been disconnected from the church for a long time, but you know you need community. You know you need to be here more often. And so maybe that means making sure church makes it onto your schedule. Or maybe for you, it's just you used to have like a, a devotional time with the Lord in prayer, but you just kind of, you just got too busy. And maybe what God is calling you to do to make sure that he's your plan A is make sure you put that on your schedule. This month, we're highlighting a series on Right Now Media called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. So uh, Right Now Media is like the Christian Netflix of Bible studies. We give that to you free. If you don't have that, just text Berlin CC to that number. It's the only time you can have your phone out during the sermon when I won't call you out. So you can do that right now if you don't have it. But in that series, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, he also has a book John Mark Comer does. And here's what he says. He says, quote, following Jesus has to make it onto your schedule and into your practices or it will simply never happen. I'm going to read that again because it's pretty good. Following Jesus has to make it onto your schedule and into your practices or it will simply never happen. Apprenticeship to Jesus will remain an idea, not a reality in your life. And so I think the first question that we need to be asking ourselves and be honest with ourselves is what do I seek first? Am I truly seeking Jesus first or is he my plan B? Do I need to make him my plan A? That's question number one. Question number two is, what am I making a priority that needs to stop? What am I making a priority in my life that needs to stop? I love this parable in Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. So if you have your Bibles open to Matthew 6, turn them over a couple pages. You'll get to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13 is all about these different parables about the kingdom of heaven. And here's what Jesus says to us. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. 
I think this parable is trying to teach us two things. Number one, that Jesus is the treasure. Jesus is the one that our souls long for. Jesus is the one that we should give everything up for. Jesus is our treasure. But secondly, secondly, what I want us to see is that Jesus calls us to stop prioritizing things that don't really matter. Do you notice in the parables what happens when the guy finds the treasure? So he's on this Indiana Jones-style hunt for this treasure, and he finds the treasure. What typically happens in these movies is when you find the treasure, you try and take as much of it with you as you can and go back home. I grew up in a town in El Dorado, Kansas, uh, and El Dorado, there's a movie called El Dorado. The whole premise of the, of the movie is these people are looking for this El Dorado, this town of gold, and they find this town of gold, but then they have to leave. And so when they're leaving, what do they do? Well, they put all of the treasure in their ship and take as much back with them as possible, but that's not what happens in our parable. No, before they can actually have the treasure, he has to go back home and sell everything he has before he can have the treasure. I think what Jesus wants us to do is make sure we are prioritizing him and stop prioritizing things that don't matter so that we can then start prioritizing Jesus, the one true treasure that we have. So question number two, what do I need to stop prioritizing so that I can focus on the treasure I have in Jesus? This sermon series came out of Warren's sabbatical last year where he had 13 weeks to refresh and prioritize his relationship with God and with his family. And at that time, he was reading a book called Leading on Empty by Wayne Cordero. And what Wayne Cordero wants you to do while you're reading is he wants you to write down every single thing or activity that you're doing. I want you to do this either now or later. You make a list of all the activities that come on your mind. And then beside it, write whether or not it fills your soul or it drains your soul. So playing on your phone all the time drains your soul probably, right? Uh, Going on a walk with your spouse fills your soul. And so I want you to do that. I want you to make sure that you make a list of activities that fill you or drain you. And then you can see it on the screen. This is the hard part. I want you to stop doing one of those activities so that you can focus on what matters most. To stop doing one of those activities, and here's the good news, is that tomorrow starts a brand new month, so that tomorrow you can start, for the very first time, stop doing something. So I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe for you, you need to stop working on Saturdays, because you already have enough money, but you only have one family. Or maybe for you, maybe that means you need to stop getting on social media because you're constantly comparing yourself to other people. What I'm going to do is I'm deleting ESPN off my phone because I'm constantly checking that and it doesn't really matter. But what about you? What is one thing that you need to stop so that you can prioritize the relationships that matter most? And question number three, what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want your legacy to be? To be. To answer that question, I think as Christians, we must begin with the end in mind. We have to recognize that our life here on earth is short. I love what Moses says in Psalm 90, verse 12, where he says, Teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. 
Like, we, our time here on earth is so short in comparison to eternity. And what we do here on earth, it matters for eternity. I want to invite Ethan up onto the stage. Come on. I, uh, three years ago, we were at NYR, so our, our trip to Colorado. And Jeff Walling actually had Jacob Moore come up onto the stage. And I'm stealing his illustration. So right here on this string, I don't know if you can see it, but there's this tiny little black spot. I don't know if you can see it, but there's a tiny little black spot. That represents our life here on earth. And the rest of this yarn represents eternity. So here's what I want you to do, Ethan. I want you to just start walking with it. Just keep going. You're going to have to roll it as you go, though. Yeah, keep walking. We want to keep this line taut. Keep going. I mean, you gotta, you're going to have to keep rolling, unrolling faster, man. Go through the sanctuary doors. Uh-oh. Keep on going. This is, you guys better cheer him on because this sermon's going on until he unrolls that whole yarn. So keep on trucking, brother. Keep going. Go, keep going. Go all the way. Outside. Go outside. All right, come on, Ethan. You can come back in. You can set it down. Just set it down. We'll leave it. Okay, give him a round of applause as he comes back in. We're just going to leave this here because so often what happens in our life is we prioritize the things that only matter for this tiny little part of our souls. We prioritize making me happy in the moment and following my heart when really we could be leaving a legacy that lasts for eternity. And so I want you to think about the magnitude of eternity. What do you want your legacy to be, not just for today, but for tomorrow and for eternity? I can't help but think about Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus is finishing the Sermon on the Mount, where he's telling his followers, his disciples, what he expects of them. And in Matthew 7, Jesus knows that some of his disciples, they're not going to want to put into practice what he calls them to do. Because he calls them to do some pretty hard things, like forgive your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And so here's what he does to sum up his sermon. He gives this analogy. He says, therefore, if anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it's had, had its foundation on the rock. They left a legacy. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When we prioritize the things that don't matter, we build our house on the sand. But when we prioritize the things that matter now and for eternity, like our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with our family and other people, it will leave a legacy and last forever. Jesus did this. Jesus lived this kind of life. Jesus lived with the end in mind. Jesus knew that he had to go to the cross for you and me to save us from our sins. 
And in the moment when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, he had a choice on whether or not he was going to prioritize his relationship with the Father and live out his mission on earth or do something else. And thankfully for us, he prioritized his relationship with the Father. He did what he asked. He died on the cross for us. And we know that's not the end of the story. Because three days later, Jesus rose from the dead and is right now reigning as king over us. Jesus left us a legacy of faith. And you and I, we get to decide whether or not we want to prioritize the things that matter most and continue that legacy. Our priorities today determine our legacy tomorrow. A couple months ago, my aunt, my great aunt, she sent an email out to my family uh, with our family tree. And I got to be honest with you, up to that point, I didn't really care much about our ancestors. I was terrible, but I didn't really care about it. But she sent that email. I was like, you know what? I'm going to actually read through this and see who my family members were and what they did. And what I found out was that my great, great, great grandparents we're actually from Sangamon County, Illinois. And, th- and there's a chance, I'm not saying it's probable, but there's a chance that they at some point went to Berlin Christian Church in their lives because we're celebrating our 200 years next year. So there's a chance. I just think that's wild that maybe, you know, they went to the old church way back when. But as I was looking at, at where they were from, they're buried near Decatur, and many, many of my family members are buried near Decatur or near Mount Zion. And so uh, I hope someday soon to go over there and to look at the grave sites. And what I'm interested to look at most is the epitaphs on their tombstones. Epitaphs, you know, it's just the writing on the tombstone. I'm interested to see what they say because epitaphs reveal to us what people prioritized in this life. Epitaphs reveal to us the kind of legacy that people left behind. And so over the last month, I've just kind of been thinking to myself, what do I want my epitaph to say? What do you want your epitaph to say? As I've thought about it over the last month, here's here's where I am today. Here's what I want mine to say. It could change, but here's what I want it to say right now. Faithful to Jesus and Janelle. I want to make sure that I prioritize the two relationships that matter to me most. And if I do those two things, whatever else happens, happens. But what about you? What do you want your epitaph to say? And as you think about that, remember that our priorities today determine our legacy tomorrow. What kind of legacy do you want to leave? Let's pray together. Almighty God, we love you. And we thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you that he prioritized his relationship with the Father and with us so much that he was willing to die on the cross for us. And as a response to that kind of love, Jesus, help us to love you with everything we have. Help us to prioritize you I know there's some people in the congregation right now who've maybe strayed away from you. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work on their hearts to help them prioritize you. 
This is not something that we just do one time, Lord. It's something we have to do every moment of every day. So help us, we pray. Thank you for being a good, good father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.